0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.
2: Hi guys, welcome to your weekly Stoke City podcast, every step along the way. So lots to discuss again this week, we'll look at an excellent three points versus Swansea, look ahead to a crunch time this weekend versus Forest, and of course we'll look at all the news from around the club this week. And it's that time again, so uh, Dan, Andy, how have you both been, you been okay?
3: Yeah, I've been alright obviously, we've had a good week of football and... I've finally got an interview for a job, so I'm happy about that.
2: Oh, nice, mate. What what job's that?
3: Uh, Lifeguarding at Alton Towers at the moment. i am hopefully got it. It's the interview on the same day Forest have, so I've got it for the earliest time, so I can still get down there.
2: <laughs> That's dedication for you. Dedication. Well, 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 well done, mate. I'm, I'm sure you'll get it, so good luck with that. Um, Dan, how hey, have you been,
4: mate? Uh, uh, well, I'm just more interested at in the minute. As Andy,
2: <laughs> as Andy
4: told them that his Saturdays are completely taken, yeah, I've told them
3: I can only do it Monday to Friday and then the odd day in the week where I might just say, you know what, I kinda of can't do this one. Because obviously every Saturday it's either Stoker at home or Vail
4: at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, your your Saturdays are busy with that, aren't they?
3: And Pretty yeah. busy.
2: <laughs> and don't don't forget as well, mate. I mean, you've got the pod on a Wednesday, so you, you have you told them you've got to finish by no later than seven?
3: I think it closes before seven to be fair.
2: Good. <laughs> I know, I know, I know what like. Yes, well, <laughs> make sure it bloody does, mate. Get your priorities <laughs> in order. Um anyway, uh good to to have you both. Um and just before we're gonna kind of get into things, I want to do a very quick shout out because I mean we we always talk about different comments we have from, you know, various different people that come through and bits like that. But we uh, we had a, a quick message on, on Twitter the other night, um, from a chap called Matthew. Uh so Matthew is uh, an American uh, fan of Stoke City. He's been kind of, you know, basically he's been a Stoke fan for I think about three or four years. Uh, me and Andy met him last night in Delilah's bar because he mentioned he wanted to meet us. So it was you know, re- really good to meet Matthew. We got a lot of insight. We got a little insight into American sports as well, don't we, Andy? It was uh,
3: very confusing that players get promoted rather than the teams.
2: Yeah, it was, mate. It was really good. But you know what? Really nice, down to earth guys. He obviously brought um his friend with him who had you know his little lad there and um it was just great to see their perspective. And you know, what was interesting, Dan, is that the conversation we had was obviously one of the questions I asked him was how on earth did you start supporting Stoke? I mean, how the heck does that happen? When you know you live in Colorado, it's not like we're on on TV every five minutes. And um, his basic reason behind that was that you know Shakiri and Arnie. Um, I think did he say when we were playing Leicester? I think Andy. Yeah, when um, we were playing
3: Leicester in the season that they won the league. Yes.
2: Yeah, so he they basically watched us over there because they obviously took notice of that of that game and and Shakiri and, and Arnie and all of a sudden they started watching more of Stoke and goes there. So when we talk about oh, we hear the club talking about players getting us on the map. Obviously, the, the likes of Peter Crouch would have done that at the time, so it can't be underestimated in terms of a global audience who, let's face it, I mean, they were, they were there in Stoketops last night, so that's obviously contributing to the financials from there, so it, it's a big business and I think you don't quite appreciate just how wide this audience goes and I know we said to him, I think we've got 14 states in America listen to this show and it's like, it, it, it's hard to comprehend that, but I just thought i just wanted to say you know it was it was really good meeting you both and um yeah hopefully you'll carry on enjoying the pod. but um it was fascinating to to speak to you uh you missed it actually dan i really wish you could have been there mate i think you would have enjoyed it um and the the, the chips and the the pie wasn't quite it wasn't bad either to be honest So quite nice um, anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh let's go and kick off with the uh swansea kind of review now I mean, we'll try and keep this to about 15, 20 minutes, but there's a lot, hell of a lot to kind of unpack. Um, I mean, I'll give you my thoughts first, and I'll let you and, uh, and Andy battle it out, Dan. But um, I thought performance-wise, that was as close to a complete performance as I can kind of remember. I think... Obviously, little little boy took with me Josh. You know, he he loved it. He really did, and um, you know, he finally got to see a win. I mean, when I was in the last Supporters council meeting, uh, John Coates said that if basically if, if if he doesn't start to see winning games, that he's not allowed back. Obviously, he said it as a joke, but um, he's finally seen us win a match, mate. So, yeah, I thought we were completely dom- uh, dominant. Um, we didn't have anything to worry about whatsoever I was kind of concerned we were going to do the typical Stoke City thing at half time you know all the possession all the chances and then go and concede early on um so yeah it was it was good to kind of see that and I think all in all being 3-0 we could have scored more let's be honest but I think one thing we'd all say is that we kind of took a foot off the gas obviously the players and and the coaching staff are thinking we've got Forrest let's not kind of go you know too far into this um, and, uh, yeah, just, just take it easy, really. I mean, I must admit, I said to you, Andy, that if I'm a Swansea fan, and there's very few of them that actually turned up, but, you know, if I'm a Swansea fan travelling all that way, I will be royally peed off having just seen my yeah. team. They were shocking, weren't they, Andy? They
3: they were shocking. I think I read of they only had one shot on target, and that was about the 77th minute, and they they were, like, they were chanting about it, almost taking the mick out of their own team for only managing one shot on target, but considering we, from the start, came out with, you know, all guns blazing out the blocks, there were some players who, for example, Ben Wilmot, contributing to the second goal throughout the whole game, I thought he did brilliantly at right-back, and people have criticised him for his performances there, but he's showing that he's a better option than Tommy Smith at the moment, who is a out-and-out right-back.
2: Yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, there was that cross in the first half that... Any strategy said, throw yourself. In. I mean, I was like, I said to you, didn't I? I said, Was yeah. that Wilmot? And yeah, I was like, <laughs> it wasn't Shakira he's just come on to make a you know a brief appearance. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, I agree with you, mate. When he when he first played at that right back position, he looked lost. Um, but clearly they've been working on it. And if I'm Tommy Smith, I'm thinking, Christ, I've got to book my ideas up here because if I if I was sent centre back but me now at right back and I'm the right back. Clearly, he, you know, O'Neill's thinking you ain't doing good enough for you, mate. Um, so I mean, yeah, look, I'll happily say that you know I, I wasn't sound wrong because I didn't doubt his ability, but he looks a lot more settled. And you he know, does. we we moved that forward. I mean, Baker, God, what a People were comparing him to Nzonzi, and you know what, he's got a yeah. little bit of the Nzonzi about him, absolutely. Now we don't want to get too far ahead because we said this about Embola. Uh, if I remember rightly, oh, in his gosh. first few games. He looked like, we were talking about him being, you know, you know, the next McAuley or whatever it was at the time. I remember those comparisons being made. And obviously, we all know how that one panned out. So, all I'm saying, is, he looks really positive. He bossed that midfield. Um, credit to Joe Allen. I think Joe Allen was, was good as well. Uh, no, Nobody had a bad game, but... No. Um,
3: I feel like Joe Allen plays a lot better when he's got players around him that are confident. Like, even he was throwing his body towards the ball on... He doesn't do that often, but he's got youngsters around him. He's got Lewis Baker of experience. He's got Jaggy Alker in defence, who's, you know, nearly 40 now. He's, he's got the ability to be able to take a few more risks in his play.
2: He has, mate. And I think, Dan, what did you think of um, Bede's mate? Because, I mean, he, he blew our minds, I'll be honest with you. Those step overs he did to them, Meg the defender, if that was going in, that is a you know, goal of the season contender. But what what did you think of his overall contribution?
4: He's just an exciting player, isn't he? He's just a player that gets you up off his seat and that's ideally that's why that's why you go watch football. Um, you want people who like I say get you excited, people you want with you, people you when you walk through the turnstile, you you're looking forward to watching them. And he's one of them players, definitely. Um he just like say step-overs, he can go on either side, he can cut inside, he can go round the outside, he can make you think he's going on the outside, and then cut on the inside. <laughs> so as a fullback, he must be an absolute nightmare. And he just drives at them as well. The one thing defenders don't like is attackers running at them and he gets himself into the box as quickly as possible. And it's clever play really because he knows with his trickery and his footwork, once he's inside that penalty area, no defender is, is gonna be throwing the you know, throwing the foot at him um you know with with any without you know, the unless it's like a last stitch thing because you know I reckon if he plays more games and he plays like that there'll be a lot I mean I know the penalty didn't come from him directly, but I reckon we'll be winning quite a few of them between now and the end of the season because he'll bamboozle defenders so much they'll just they will just end up tripping over him.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, obviously, the two... I can't remember who it was now, but the right-back who got... um, He got booked first off, and it was pretty much... Yeah, it was on a tightrope, and it was very very interesting. I thought kind of occurred to me that how many times does an opposing coach take a player off because he's scared about what a Stoke player might do? Um, And, obviously, he knew he couldn't make a single tackle. And, obviously, being on that side, it was the worst possible scenario. So, I I don't think... I think we've got a team full of players, who, as you kind of allude to, Scare the opposition a little bit, Um, and we've always. How long have we been saying on it on this podcast, and not on this podcast, but before the podcast, where as a team we have a couple of decent players, you Nick Powell's, but pace is something we've always complained about at this club. Um, I would probably argue we've probably got more pace now than we have even in the promotion season. I don't remember this many players of this pace in a squad at at the same time. I really don't. Um, So I just hope that. They all carry on, and if you know what, if you know we don't make the playoffs this season, then hopefully we'll have a really fun second half of the season, something to send the kind of fans away with, with excitement for next year. And I mean, Beda, I mean, Villa, have got a hell of a player on the hands. Um, if if he can, if he can keep going, um, I mean, hopefully you know we could keep that type of player um, with us with for the next season if needs be. But um, just one final thing before I go into a bit more of a negative around this game. Mm uh Jacob um again, that guy proves people wrong week after week. he wasn't great last night but he didn't he did nothing wrong but he wasn't great but again, every season that we've seen him so far he's always been referred to as the you know the Johnny Walters you know puts 110 percent in every single week. No one will ever doubt that but one thing we've always criticized him over is his actual finishing ability. I'd probably say that he's now added finishing ability to his repertoire. So, I mean, I think he he could be 15 goals this season if he carries on. He could
3: potentially even grab more. Obviously, he's a quick striker. I mentioned last night that you can tell he's definitely improved in his strength. He had defenders pulling him, he wouldn't go down. He doesn't stop running for however many minutes we played last night, 94, 95 minutes in total. He didn't stop running one bit. And obviously, that finish he had... And even the finish against Wigan in the game four, he's generating power and scoring from positions you wouldn't really think a striker would typically score in. And Yeah. He's definitely turned himself around from when he first came in. And if you mention about pace, you've got Tyrese Campbell, he's got pace. Bidace has got pace. On the bench, you've got DeMarge Wright-Phillips. Madge has got a bit of pace to him. Even Baker is quick. And I think we've seen how quick Wilmot actually is at that right-back position because when he was at centre-back he was a little bit more relaxed but he's getting very stuck in now
2: He is mate and obviously one player you brought up there Tyrese and Dan, I'll probably come to you mate Um, it's a shame it was a nothing tackle we were discussing this before we went on but uh, it was a nothing tackle for his injury and obviously for anyone who of course maybe couldn't attend the game or couldn't listen to it, obviously he's gone off in a leg brace as a precautionary measure but um, it's going to be pretty gutting if he's out again already isn't it Dan?
4: Yeah, because he was just starting to show form. I mean, I think he's more suited to the role he's been asked to play the last couple of games in this formation, is it? four-two-three-one? 2 three, one. Uh, It's either that or four-three-three. Three, you know, it's similar kind, you know, on the right-hand side of, of the attack. That seems to be where his best games came from previously and where he looks more at home now. And like I say, his confidence, his fitness seem to be up. Uh, sharpness and it's just you know if he if he's out injured again it's going to be a real hammer blow for him and you know you feel for, you feel for him if he is anything long term you know with with his sort of his mental health side as well you know it must be so hard to to go in luckily you know we're not, we're, you know, we're not in that kind of um, you know d- d- that kind of thing doesn't affect us in our day to day roles and stuff you know but. To, to fight your way back and come back from a lot you know what must have been such a seriously injury to be out for you know 12 months it wasn't just any old ACL it was, you know it, it's a bad one to be out for that long and then just as you're you know to, to f- come through all the time where you you must be struggling to get to get your match fitness struggling to get your sharpness struggling to get your rhythm just when that seems to be clicking to have it all taken away again and you go back to start, you you, know, you feel for Tyrese more than anything, if, if if it is, I mean, fingers crossed, it's, you know, maybe maybe nothing, maybe three or four weeks or whatever, but let's just, you know, let's just pray it's nothing more than, you know, nothing more than that
2: Yeah, and I think from a, from a team perspective, mate, on the whole thing, at least this season, at least now, we have people to replace him, that's probably the only silver lining you can probably say about that whereas last season, obviously, it completely derailed the season so, I'm confident we would have the quality to replace him, so not, hopefully not, but you know let's 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 be honest it, if, the, the guy couldn't really keep carry on walking, so um it's not a great sign. So yeah, anyway, um, it's shame to end on a on, on a kind of negative scale from that, but um, either way, I think it was an absolutely fantastic game. Um, not many games I can kind of sit there and go, I wish that I'd never ended. Uh, I mean, I could rarely. add a positive
3: rather than end on a negative. We scored go a penalty.
2: Oh bloody yeah, hell! Yeah, yeah, I didn't mention that. Uh, yeah, yeah but we, scored we scored a penalty. A
3: penalty. It doesn't <laughs> happen, does it?
2: <laughs> no, it doesn't, man. As soon as Baker hit that, I knew the keeper had gone the right way, and I was like, "Oh, not again!" Oh, so it's one of those split-second slow-motion things yeah. where you think you have convinced he's missed it, but, but he placed I mean, it perfectly. straight in the corner. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't have done that any better. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see that again. Um, hopefully, we're on a run of just scoring every single penalty now, but. Yeah, thank you for ending that one um, on a high. Look, there's uh, one
3: thing we've forgot to mention: Josh Tyman's volley that almost went in as well.
4: Oh, yeah. I was just about God, to say the same
3: thing. Well, a what a volley!
2: Strike
4: that was.
3: A little bit lower and a bit more to the left.
4: It's I know, cause, yeah, I, to, for me, he had one of his quietest games of the season. Really, I think he was—he wasn't really involved. It was—it was more the front four wasn't it, that were doing. Yeah. The midfield was sort of. What what was what I loved about the midfield was. The amount of times they won the ball back, like so every it seemed to be every pass into the Swansea midfielders, we just got a toe on the ball, we just nicked, we just got in front of them and nicked the ball away.
3: Then we kept giving it back to Bursic so he can count his pounds.
4: (laughs) And then he's like, and and then we, we, you know, Allen or Baker would just get a toe to the ball, you know, nick it away from the Swansea midfield, and then it'd roll to. Bidace or um or Powell, and then you'd have you know quick one touch football between two or three of them, you know the forwards, and and then we'd look to you know go from there, and that you know that was the, one of the pleasing elements for me was the ball. You know, the, the defense would you know obviously we saw the ball at times as defenders. You are going to aren't you, because it's a safe you know the safe option of going back to them, but compared to ninety five percent of matches. They, they they were barely barely involved, and um, I think it just shows just you know where we were just how dominant we were really. I mean the press. I remember at the kickoff. I think we had six players around the centre circle yeah. kickoff, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> 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 what's going on here?" And then, seriously, why they were just like ready to pounce? And you know, I mean, we I think we mentioned it. We didn't mention obviously we didn't mention it last week, but Swansea. Um, when it comes to possession. And passes made and say you know, ten, 10 or more pass sequences, they are light years away. They might be near the bottom of the league, but they are still massive clear of anybody else, including Fulham, in this division this season. And we made them look like they they, they couldn't pass.
3: Yeah, we played about two hundred more passes than them or something like that, and had about ten percent more possession. We had sixty percent possession in total.
4: Yeah, they they that that is you know they never do that. Swansea never. Come away from games with, with 40% possession and, and teams outpassing them by that much. It just doesn't happen. And it just shows that, you know, we just never let them settle. And people say, like, oh, they're a poor side. I, th- I think we made them look like a poor side.
3: People can say they're a poor side. They're only seven points behind us.
4: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it shows we, how
3: close the championship is as well.
4: Yeah. If they'd have won last night, that's a point. <laughs> and I think that just shows, you know, we've beaten them home and away. And we obviously i have proven we didn't even need Sam Clucas last night, did we? He didn't really,
3: <laughs> he didn't really do too much when he came on, though, did he? Either.
2: No, he yeah,
4: I think he was gutted,
2: but he's good too. Yeah.
3: He was
4: gutted that the game was already won and he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't, well, we uh, said
3: when the penalty was given, we should have just bought Sam Clucas on and let him have it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> would the oh, pressure well. got too much for him though? That could have, been, could have gone wrong, that could
3: have. He thrives on the pressure against teams he's played against, though, doesn't he? <laughs> like, look at the game he played against Hull, getting two assists.
4: He's just like a like a, a goal kicker in the NFL. Yeah. He's like a field goal, He goes on for the penalty and off he goes.
2: <laughs> anyway, um, Let's get on to the Man of Match polls. Um, so, Dan, I'll be honest with you, mate. You had some balls with one of these selections. So, anyway, after the game, uh, my phone starts popping up with notifications. Um, and I'm like, okay, let's have a look who is selected here. Uh, okay, so the Twitter options were Bidace, Brown, no problems there. And then you included Nick Powell as the third option for um, yeah. Man of Match. And I must admit, mate, I thought you may have been a bit drunk at the time.
0: <laughs> um
2: <laughs> but, it's, it's because um, he was
4: always involved that's all that, that's yeah. all I thought but I will admit in <laughs> hindsight it was an error
2: <laughs> that's fine mate we'll let you off um, and uh, yeah anyway so in terms of the three options so Benace Brown and Powell in third place was Powell with Is that
3: the first 0% of the season? (laughs) That's
2: the first one of the season. Uh, Second was Baker with 45% and first was Bidace with 51%. And there was a scattering of honourable mentions, so obviously um, just to give you an idea, so again uh, Bergeron too cold, uh, was Wilmot and Brown, both deserved a mention. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Again, Stoke Bloke, Brown has gone for him. Um, And uh, Cal uh, went for Brown as well. And uh, yeah, I just kind of said, actually, I commented myself and I realised. Uh, so I thought, yeah, Bidace and Baker were immense, a completely dominating win. Swansea was simply dreadful from start to finish. Oh, yeah, and one thing we didn't mention what a great referee!
3: Oh, brilliant.
2: Brilliant referee. Best I know referee we're a bit season,
3: Maybe of all time in Stokes history. Gave <laughs> he, he everything perfect, but he did also give Swansea, you know, three yellow cards in the space of five minutes.
4: Then, yep. Was he really that great? I mean, yeah. There was an elbow in the first half. Someone's gone straight through Lewis Baker just before we had the penalty. But the to be honest, the the, the, red, the actual red card was probably the least red card out of three incidents.
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know, mate. Oh, he, if he I, I, bits I think he, the net. he
4: did whale his arm, but then he moved it back to block it. Yeah. I know. Um, to be honest, if it hits your if it hits your hand or your arm on the line, you get it, you're off, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or the, not. But the, I, I, the, the point I was making was they, they could have had easily could have had two reds before mm. that happened. Louis Baker. I mean, I, I, I'm, for anyone who's tried, sent a tweet out on our account about you know, about the tackle on Louis Baker, saying you know it's another naughty one and. Following on from the ones at you know Huddersfield the other week, are professionals not meant to have some sort of code of conduct between them where they, you know, the they, they look after each other on the pitch and there's no, you know, at the end of the day they're all they're all doing the same job and that you know it seems that there's a growing sort of you an know, increase in dirty little snide challenges. Dangerous I mean, challenges
2: that are going on. Let's be honest though, mate, that's always been there. Look at Roy Keane, look at you know, Skulls. Oh, uh, that goes back years. They don't even Roy a Keane and about Vieira the, the Fallon together. man, mate. they
3: were throwing some,
2: yeah, they, they weren't looking after the Fallon man. Let's I know, be I know
3: it's a bit off topic and not about Stoke, but you hear Graham Soon with some comments he gave while he pundits. Look at the tackle he put in, like tackles he put in when he was playing.
2: Yeah, I know, I know <laughs> what you're saying, Dan, but no, I, I say that I don't think it's ever been there to be honest. Uh, but anyway, in terms of um, another uh, poll, so I did a, the one on the Facebook group as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so a couple of comments that, that kind of come off the back, back of this as well. But either way, uh, the Facebook one, so it was Bades, Brown, Brown um, or Baker was was the three options that I gave. Um, so third place was Baker with uh, 33 votes. Second was Brown with 49. And first was, no doubt, obviously Bidace at 107. There was definitely, again, uh, a couple of honourable mentions. So Ben Wilmot once again got mentioned. As, as, as did Harwood Ballis. Actually, I mean Ballister was was okay. I wouldn't say he did anything wrong or right, but um, yeah, it was okay. But then Alex Thorley um, comments, So it worked, but they said a cracking game, skillful, ran and hassled attackers when he lost the ball. Um, But for me, Baker was man of the match with Wilmot a close second. Both of them ran the midfield in defence. Baker's passing was pinpoint. Wilmot was solid. Both of them were everywhere on the pitch, winning the ball back and creating attacks. And then John, I'm sorry, John, I'm not going to pronounce your surname. I'll slaughter it, sorry. But uh, Bades was different gravy tonight and showed his quality. He made a nuisance of himself popping up all over the pitch and is a real handful. Just glad he plays for us. So, um, yeah, thanks to everyone who's, who's voted anyway. Um, any other observations to make from Swansea guys before we move on to the news? Uh,
4: just on the on the note of the polls, um, mm. as the season's gone on, obviously we're collating the points that people are earning. You know, we're winning from the uh, the Man of the Match polls. Uh, as it stands, Josh Tyman is top, two hundred and thirty three points. Uh, Mario Vranic is in second, two hundred and seventeen. Harry Suter, amazingly, is third with 197, even though he hasn't played... He's been for out for about months.
3: half of the season.
4: Yeah, so it just shows, you know, I think he was well on the way the lead yeah. uh, when he was injured. Uh, ben Wilmot, after last night, is now up into fourth place on 189 points. Wow. And then you've got Jacob Brown and Romaine Sawyers, joint fifth on 187. So it's actually, with 25 points for a win, uh, well, for a man of the match uh, first place, you know, there's, there's six players there all within, I mean, Harry, Harry Suter's not going to improve on his, but there's still five other players there with Sawyer's backs in the next week or so uh, within a couple of man of the matches of of taking top spot there.
2: Mm, be interesting to see how that pans out, mate, but I definitely think we're going to see, you know, Bidace, Baker, I think Powell will definitely start going up there again. Um, so it's going to be tight, but we'll make make sure we get to the uh, the training ground at the end of the season, mate, and uh, give that to, to the player who uh, who wins it. So
4: training ground, we're getting on the pitch, mate. So, <laughs> we're getting the final game. Of the Last season? game of the season.
2: We'll we'll keep yeah. a close on though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody depends whether we go to playoffs or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think I think we will, mate. I think we will. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, leave it there for Swansea. Uh, let's move on to this week's Stoke City news.
4: So, following on from the FA Cup win against Wigan last weekend, uh, the fifth round draw took place and we've been given the glamour tie of a trip to Crystal Palace at the beginning of March. Good good stuff, lads. We enjoy that one.
3: Well, it could be a bit of a redemption day, couldn't it? I think mm-hmm. we'll want to go there and show them what we can do. But, as we know, our form at Palace away isn't the best.
2: It's pretty yeah. dreadful, mate. I think it was either you or <laughs> or Dan sent a graphic through and I saw it was like play ten one none. So much stupid like that. It was pretty horrendous. Draw. I think Just the last time. Draw.
3: I remember one game when we were in the Premier League, it was about a 4 0 loss to them. Or something like that.
2: I mean the only, yeah. the only saving grace we could have, really, let's be honest, is Jack is playing? Being goal. I mean that's uh, no, no, I'm not having
4: I'm not having this Butler, hate. <laughs> no, I'm not having it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <not> happy. <laughs> he just needs to he, do he, what he did against
3: Millwall with a phobia, doesn't
4: he? Yeah, I think the guy. Yeah, he did. Um, he was always a committed professional when he was here. His time didn't, you know. He made a lot of mistakes towards the end, but they, they weren't. You know, there was never a question of his attitude for me. I think he no. always, he always tried his best. I think he's brilliant stuff. professional. If, if you want to uh, direct hate at people from that that era of this club, there's a. Many more people who should get it before Jack Butland,
2: in my yeah. opinion. Oh, don't get me wrong. I am not doubting what he contributed. <laughs> he contributed plenty of own goals and plenty of fluffs towards the end of his career. He contributed more than enough. Um, but no, no, all no, no, Seriously, yeah, he he was a good he was a good player. It was time for him to go. Unfortunately, psychologically, he'd just gone for whatever reason after that injury. I think. Well, I was speaking to again to to one of the guys who was at obviously from America last night, and he said, you know, he used to be a, a you know, obviously a, a goalkeeper, um, and said that, you know, when he had his, his injury, uh, again, psychologically, it's something in the back of your mind, you never feel confident again, and obviously, Jack's doing that on a on a high scale level, so, you know, he can't hide, so, yeah, Luke, you know, again, I, I say tongue-in-cheek, the whole hope Jack Bullen plays, you know, I hope he has a good game, as long as we really win, I don't really care, but um yeah i think the main thing for me mate i think it's not a glamour tie i know you said you glamour tie i know you probably again tongue in cheek but um, (laughs) i I would i would have have taken it at home i think away we've lost andy save your money mate don't bother going um
3: home and away no matter what mate
2: yeah um i think if you can be a part-time sport, mate or go and see the veil that day if the play then then go for (laughs) it but um
3: I'll actually give you an answer on when you said how can I afford it. It's because of my age. I can actually get tickets well, under for about, no, not yeah. under 11s. But for example, with my Nottingham ticket, it's about thir- about 13 quid cheaper for my age than an adult.
2: Bloody oh, hell. did you yeah. love Kids in young these days. Oh, that's not Sorry. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I answer to your question, mate. It's a bit of a eh kind of tie for me. Um, would I've rather a Boreham Wood? Actually, no. I don't think I would. I know you could say it's an easier team to get through, but I suppose a team at that level got nothing to lose. They proved they can knock out a good team. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say not overly impressed, but whatever. I think if if we go out of the cup but manage to go for a playoff place, I think everybody would accept that, wouldn't they?
4: Um, but yes, I think yeah, we we could have we have the here last week, weren't we, same? if we can get past Wigan, we could have a a big tie, maybe, away at Manchester United, but, you know, they didn't do their part. About Manchester United. (laughs)
3: Ronaldo apparently scores all of his penalties.
2: (laughs) Not anymore, he doesn't.
4: Nope. Um, But, yes, obviously, we were thinking, you know, we could end up with a tie that, you know, Manchester United or uh, Liverpool, something like that, you know, um, get a big Tottenham, you know, get a million pound plus gate receipts, quarter of a million pound TV revenue, revenue, and we've ended up with Crystal Palace away, which didn't quite fall into the same brackets. However, we've got decent, you know, we, we've beaten, won well, the last couple of seasons in cup games, we've beaten Wolves away, Villa away, Watford away. So, you know, Crystal Palace fall into that kind of bracket. You know, it was, we, we've got a history, recent history of winning these kind of games.
2: OK, well, let's let's see what happens, mate. Hopefully, you know, again, we've got nothing to lose, I suppose. So, uh, fingers crossed.
4: Yeah. Um, so, yes, moving on, we've uh, obviously got quite a lot of players out on loan this week. And uh, we've added some more. I mean, Lewis Macari, grandson of, uh, obviously, former Stoke manager, Lou Macari. Uh, he's gone on loan to Dundalk for six months. So he's gone straight into their side. Apparently their first game is Friday night and they are chasing some silverware this year, I believe. So that'll do some good. He's got some pressure um, situations there. He's going to be going and playing in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on there. Eddie Jones has gone on loan to Altrincham. We've obviously got... And uh, Pat Jarrett has gone on loan to Telford. Both clubs have got quite good links with Stoke. And, you know, recent players, I know Ryan Shuttle went to Altrincham Adam Porter went there. Um, I believe Tom Sparrow has been to Telford already this, as well. So, yeah, there's uh, quite a few, you know, there seems to be uh, clubs that we link up with quite well uh, with our youngsters. Uh, some not so great news though is obviously uh, Peter Atibo has been injured for a long time at Watford. Alfie Doughty has now joined him on the uh, Stoke City injury jinx. So, yeah, he injured ankle ligaments and he's out for roughly six weeks. Now, it was initially reported in the Cardiff press that he was out for the season and then it was quickly rehashed as a, it was a typo. And it's six weeks, not six months <laughs> 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 that, he's, that he's out for, uh, which is a good thing because he started actually really quite well. The Cardiff fans have taken to him and said he's you know, he's exciting and he's he's playing really well in the couple of games that he did get in. So um, hopefully, because I know there's no real um, obligation or uh, ability to to purchase him uh, to, for Cardiff after this loan spell. So hopefully you know, he can get a few games under his belt and obviously Stoke wants him back in the summer. So he'll be good competition for uh, Josh Tymon, whether that be a left-back or maybe like I say uh, further up the pitch as well if we continue with the, a four-two-three-one. So, yeah, it's unfortunate for Alfie. Let's hope he can get fit sooner rather than later. Uh, and another player who's had some unfortunate news uh, this week is Connor Taylor. It came out uh, on this morning, on the day that we're recording, um, from his manager. He's on loan at Bristol Rovers. I know we had some um, some audio from Bristol Rovers fan last week, didn't we? Uh, Gascast uh, podcast, who uh, said, you know, his first name on the team sheet and you yep. know, how great he is doing that. Well, it turns out that um he missed the game in December and he was just put down to sort of injury at the time, but it turns out he's sort of like um an irregular heart rhythm that was picked up. He was sort of mm. his heart was racing sort of in the in the water before the game there. And then he was named in the starting eleven for their game in midweek uh, this week. Uh, but he was actually pulled out in the warm up because the, the situation came back again. Uh so yeah. Yeah, so they've said that he's going to need uh, surgery on his heart, uh, but from what from what the the quotes from Barn saying there, it's you know he's like he can either get it in the summer or they might bring it forward. You know now that it's happened a second time, they may bring the surgery forward, uh, but it probably would end his season. But it's not like um, a career ender at this stage. It's quite a routine; just needs a little little surgical.
2: It's a good job they picked it up, mate, because obviously there's been a, a bit of an increase on players collapsing. And obviously, you know, I know it happens in the stands an awful lot now, but you know, the last thing you want is a young lad like that running around the pitch and all of a sudden he just hits the deck. You know, at least they found it and they, you know, they can sort it out. Yeah, it ends, ends his season, but, um, you know, he could, if, wh- whoever spotted that or however it's been spotted... Um, then you know, I assume just on routine checks that they do for all the players. You know, it's, it's a bloody good job they found it, really, isn't it? Let's be honest, could have been a hell of a lot worse.
4: Yeah, because let's face it, football's football, but somebody's health is far and away more important than than any ma- any football match. Um, so yeah, like I say, for somebody like I say so young as well, he's only nineteen, and to to, to um, have that picked up is. Like I say, very is so important, and and you know, hopefully you can have that surgery and you know correct what the what the issue is. And and obviously now moving on just to the uh, round off the uh, Loneys uh, round up, we've got Benikofobes on loan to Millwall. Now, it's been a while since we checked checked in with the Millwall fans to see how he's getting on, uh, but this week we are doing so. Let's have a listen to this.
1: This is Nick Hart reporting from Achtung Millwall Podcast speaking about Benicophobia on loan to Millwall for the season of course. Um, Benic has has, has really made the forward position his own and is almost the first choice pick now for the Lions. Um, One thing I would say with Benic that's really struck me is he can be he never lets up for effort. He'll always give you 100% which is an essential at the den. Um, Nothing less than 100% will ever do at Zampa Road um, he does have some inconsistency in the finishing at times um, for example um, the, the win recently a good win for the Lions actually over West Bromwich Albion just uh, a week or so ago 2-0 win um, Bennett was having a mare of a performance I, honestly I, I, it was almost as though his first touch was um, um, my first touch might be better listeners um, and I was about to kind of condemn him for uh, you know, having having a poor performance, only for him to pop up late, 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 and produce the, I you know the, the the cherry on the cake um, with a great finish, very coolly done from a breakout from defence, and you get these little moments of top quality, mixed in with, um, some as I said, some inconsistent finishing at times, but overall, um, he's a very popular boy at the den, and I think that um, he responds to the crowd. The crowd like him. And yes, you can talk about, you know, um, sometimes he'll miss chances. But when he does score, and he's been scoring reasonably regularly, including against Crystal Palace in the FA Cup recently, in a 2-1 loss. And, you know, um, six goals, I think, for the season so far. And he's very much seen now as an essential pick in the Mill 11, to the level where you kind of forget, as a a Millwall fan, that he's on loan to us. And that's always a bit unsettling when you realise that this... A uh, player who seems to be very much one of us is actually <laughs> is on the HP, he's on the line, he's on the loan to us. So we've got to got to keep in mind that that factor. Um, overall, good season for Benick so far, and let's hope that continues because uh, the Lions' season has drifted onto mid-table obscurity rather. And if that's going to change, he needs to start finding the back of the net. Um, much, much more regularly, perhaps than he has done of, of late. Overall, though, I'd be giving him marks out of ten, probably about about a, a, between the six and the seven out of ten.
4: Cheers for that, Nick. Um, interesting, yeah, to see uh, Benny. Obviously, sounds quite familiar from his time at Stoke. You know, general play gets involved, but doesn't quite score enough goals to sort of you know push on push your team on enough as a as a central striker. Um, but yeah, that's you know fair play to, you. let's hope he uh, sort of, you know, carries on, finds the net a bit more frequent uh, Anyway, moving on, our under-23s uh, played Reading on Monday in the league uh, since we've recorded the pod uh, before you're listening to it, they will have played Fulham in the League Cup, and so let's hope they've got a win there uh, but yeah, they managed to get a point at Reading 1-0, Tasha and Oakley Booth uh, g- opened the scoring, but we were pegged back so we picked a point up in the league and uh, yes this week we've got Southend away on Monday in the League Cup. That's a 7 p.m. kickoff. The under-18s played Middlesbrough at home last weekend, lost 2-1 to a 90-second-minute goal. It was actually nil-nil after 75 minutes, uh, but Middlesbrough opened the scoring. Then Nathan Lowe equalised in the 82nd minute. Uh, like I say Middlesbrough grabbed the, the winner in injury time, leaves the 10th in the under-18s Premier League North. Now, we've got a bit of a tasty game this week. You know, uh, an old rival is appearing. We play. We're host Arsenal at home this week at Clayton Wood 11am kickoff in the Premier League Under-18 Cup. So anyone who's not going to Forest can uh, head down to the training ground and maybe, uh, I don't know, do the Venger or something at the Arsenal's Under-18 if you want.
2: <laughs> I must admit, um, mate? you, you mentioned um, Tashan, if you don't mind me interrupting. So, what, what, what do you think was going on with Tashan? Um, he didn't want to go on loan to Burton, but he's happy to rot in the under twenty threes. I don't quite understand this one.
4: Uh, me, I don't. I don't know. Maybe his Maybe his thought process. The only thing I can think of is this: with the, all the COVID that's been around and players dropping in and out, maybe as he thought, I'll stay here, and I might get a chance in the first team, and I. I backed himself to take that chance when it arrived rather than going out to Burton where he's out of the manager's eyeline, so to speak, even in training.
2: Uh, maybe he's mean, to, that's, How that's, that's far maybe... away is he, though, mate? I mean, let's be honest, that midfield we've got, how far down that pecking order is he? I think it's a big mistake, mate. I mean, he's done nothing so far to show, to be fair, he's hardly ever fit, but he's done nothing so far to show that He's even close to being championship level uh, midfielder, so why not go on loan, sparkle for Burton or whatever? Like a lot of players have gone out and done, Um, and then you'll prove yourself away from the club, Um, or you know what? If you aren't good enough, then earn yourself a contract at another club. He's not going to do that in the under twenty threes.
4: No, because like I said, there there has been interest in him. The Burton wanted to take him, and if personally, if it was me. On the face of it I probably would have gone Sounds like you would have gone But Yeah obviously He he just didn't fancy that move For whatever reason Yeah uh, Just last bit of news as well Um, The ladies Their game was postponed last week And they are away to Brighouse Town this Sunday Uh, But yeah that rounds up All the news
2: Lovely Yeah cheers Dan Thank you Um, So uh, yeah Let's look ahead to Forest this weekend Um, so this is a section that I must admit I used to do, but I think you guys put me to shame. I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, it's it's a bit like a head to head in its own right. I know you both love to look for quirky <laughs> little stats and and everything like that. So I'm very happy to leave it to you two. Um, Andy, what have you got for us this week, mate? Anything interesting?
3: Few interesting facts. Nottingham Forest have only lost two of their last 19 home league games against Stoke but they are winless in the last three home games, uh, which is two draws and one loss. Stoke are actually looking to record a league double over Nottingham Forest for the first time since the opening four matches of the 1954-55 season. Um, Nottingham Forest have won four of their last five home matches, which is as many as their previous 21 combined. And Stoke have won the the last championship match 3-0 against Swansea, as we know, which is our own which is the third time that we've won by a three goal margin in the last two seasons and we haven't won by that many goals away since November 2020 in a 3-0 over Reading and the final one is that Stokes Lewis Baker who has two goals in five championship appearances this season is as many as he's managed in his last 46 championship games combined where he played for Reading, Leeds, Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday.
2: Lovely effort, mate. Well done, <laughs> Dan. Can you beat that? Or have you got anything Let's to Let's see add? what
3: you've got. Let the battle commence. <laughs> 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 no,
2: I've um,
4: got a slightly different uh, numbers on the Forest Home wins. They've won six yeah. of the last seven, uh, including wins over Arsenal and Leicester, uh, with the loss and then that run being to Huddersfield 1 0. And uh, just a quirky one that I found I've uh, duplicated a couple of yours, mate, but the one that uh, I've got here that you mentioned is last season we drew 1-1 at the City Ground. Uh, Josh Tymon setting up Rabbi Matondo, because we know Josh Tymon loves playing against Nottingham Forest. Um, that game was 10 months ago, but of the starting lineup for Stoke, Josh Tymon is the only player likely to start from that team on Saturday. Not even do you know what Joe that Allen? team was? Yeah, do you know, that team was Adam Davies in goal. Sold. <laughs> he's so it's gone. He's gone. So, Tommy Smith. Probably ben, replaced by Wilmot. Danny Bart. Gone. Harry Souter. Injured. Reese Norrington Davis. Sheffield United.
3: John Obi McKell. God knows what's going on with him. <laughs> <laughs> Rab- Rabbi Mittelhamdome. Back at he was at Shelkaboos but he's in Netherlands now, isn't
4: he? Sam Klukas. No. Jordan nope. Thompson,
3: Josh Diamond, definitely will play, <laughs> and Stephen Fletcher. It just shows how much we've improved in the space of ten months, really, doesn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the bench. The bench was Kieran, Coach Jordan, Cousins, Eddie Jones, Dan Malone, Christian Norton, Blondie, Jesus. Connor Taylor, Sam Vokes, and <laughs> oh my god, and Jacob Brown. How many What's injuries a did we have?
2: That horrendous bench that is.
4: Can <laughs> we tell you the players who were missing? To... I wonder if we have... did. We have some sort of COVID outbreak here because missing was Joe Allen, Tyrese Campbell, James Chester, Joe Clark, Nathan Collins, Alfie Doughty, Morgan Fox, James McLean, and Tashan Oakley Booth, all injured apparently. Good
3: the... sir. <laughs> wow!
2: Wow! That's that's a pretty. <laughs> so it shows that's going at least worst. at
3: some point in the season we'll have a bad injury crisis.
2: Yeah. Bloody hell yeah. That's, that's a bit of an eye opener. That is that, that is a nice was. that is a nice fact. Yeah, I but, think I must admit Dan, I think you might get the uh, yeah. the credit here, mate. I'll give the him the credit this, for that this week.
4: Yeah, I just think from for ten months ago, like a game that was only ten months ago, you've only got one player left. Just shows you know the, the rebuilding task, and the uh, well, not one player left, but one player likely to start. Yeah, um, just shows you yeah, the, the what. Michael
2: O'Neill's doing, really, the job he's doing. Mm, lovely. Well, speaking of a man on form and uh, you know a man doing well, uh, Graham McGarry went for a 1-0 Stoke win. Now, obviously, he didn't quite get a scoreline right, but uh, he's definitely got the result right. So let's see what he's got to predict this week. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he gives Stoke an actual uh, win against Forrest, but le- let's see what he's got to say anyway.
5: Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. Hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Welcome along once again to the Potters' prediction. Well, we got Potters through last week, didn't we, in the FA Cup with quite an easy task in the end. Now they're going to turn their attentions after a terrific three points in midweek when they just brushed aside Swansea with ease. They're going to turn their attention now to playing the informed team at the moment in the Championship. Never mind the top two, Nottingham Forest are the team to beat. And Stoke City were hoping that their good improved form can get them a result and keep their hopes of a playoff place very much alive. It's going to be lively at the City Ground. There's no doubt about that. But Stoke City have got a good squad. They're up for it, and things are just dropping in nicely. It could be time for a surprise, you know, this weekend. It could be Nottingham Forest one, Stoke City two.
2: Brilliant, Graham. Thank you very much, mate. A very, very ambitious two-one uh, win. I mean, I'd love that. I mean, that would that set us up really nicely. Uh, for the upcoming game. So fingers crossed, mate, you can, uh, you can be right. Uh, much appreciated as always. Now, um, as always, we like to spoil you with audio. So this week, uh, Rich from the 1865 Nottingham Forest podcast has been in touch. Just give us a bit of an overview of what we can obviously expect against Forest this weekend. Um, let's see what he had to say.
6: Hello there, it's Rich Ferraro here from the Nottingham Forest podcast 1865. Um, obviously, we've got a match coming up this weekend and it's going to be an interesting one. I think the thing that could play into Stoke's hands is the fact that Forest are coming out of a really, really big week. Obviously, you'll be aware of us beating Premier League Leicester in the Cup on Sunday and Forest were pretty strong in that match although they were able to um, tone things down a little bit in the second half having taken such a strong lead well they didn't really and they kept going so that's going to have tired out the squad then tonight uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday and we've got a match against Blackburn away so that's going to be pretty energy sapping as well in terms of what you can look out for from Forrest well Joe Worrell came back as the captain on Sunday against Leicester and he was uh A little bit ring rusty, but you could see his total commitment. However, it's not entirely sure he's going to be able to play three games in a week because he had broken ribs, and apart from the injury, he actually wasn't able to train at all while he was out. On the other hand, we have got Keenan Davis up front, who's made a really big impression since joining on loan from Aston Villa, and it's quite possible that his form will mean that there's no place in the team for Sam Surridge. So I think that your former striker is more likely to make an appearance from the bench. And then in terms of the match itself, you know what, I i never know how Stoke are going to do. I can never predict how things are going to go for you. What's really interesting is the fact that you've got some good young players coming through. And of course, uh, Wright Phillips is the one who's kind of caught the headlines. But uh, I get the impression that uh, O'Neill's doing a really long rebuilding job there. So it'll be it's difficult to kind of predict what's going to happen. I've sat there when Forrest have been doing the same. Um, so let's just see. Um, I think that uh, the players that you really need to look out for, the man who's really in form, Brennan Johnson captures all the headlines. Jed Spence is alongside him. But for me, the man who's making Forest tick in terms of going forward at the moment is James Garner, on loan from Man United, who sits in either a number six role, or, but he can also play as an eight and has in fact played as a 10 on quite a few occasions. But his delivery, especially from set pieces, is just outstanding. So. He's going to be the one you need to keep quiet. Uh, may the best team win as long as it's Forrest.
2: Lovely. Thank you, Rich. Much appreciated, mate. Always good to, to hear, as I said, the opposition views. Um, so that takes us on to, obviously, our predictions, really. So, um, Dan, I mean, I would normally come straight to you. Now, obviously, I've seen your team that you sent to me earlier on, uh, and I must admit, if I'm not mistaken, and feel free to correct me here, I'm pretty sure that me and you chose the exact same team, didn't we?
4: Uh, no, there was one alteration. Was You you kept in Jaden Philogene the days. Yes, that's <laughs> and I, right. And I decided, with the caveat underneath, of he was fantastic, uh, but he put such a massive shift in. I think the bench and an explosive thirty minutes at the end, if needed. Is going to be more impactful to us than maybe 60 70 minutes where he might be a bit more tired. So I'm bringing DiMaggio in,
2: um, okay? But yeah,
4: so- my Mad- 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 up front DiMaggio and um Brown on the wings, Powell, and then Alan Baker and the defense and goalkeeper as they were uh, on Tuesday night.
2: Yeah, it's pretty hard to change that team, isn't it? Really, and, and I know. You would probably go with the exact same team if you didn't think we needed a bit of a rest for that for him. So yeah, totally get it. Um, Andy, is your team too much different? I mean, I believe you played Phil Jagioka behind the striker and the defensive from him. Yeah, around. well, might... I've got
3: someone else in Jagioka's family at centre back, clearly. But <laughs> it's pretty much the it's the exact same team, pretty much. Well, it is the exact same team. Bidace on the left, Brown on the right, Madger up front. Fingers of Campbell being out, if Campbell was fit, you put Campbell on the right and Brown up front. But after playing so well against Swansea, I don't think you can really change it, can you?
2: No, I I don't think you can, mate. I mean, not a single player played badly, so you can't drop them. So I think the majority of Stoke fans, I mean, obviously, we'll put this out on Twitter as well, but um, I don't think anyone's going to really disagree with us, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, they'll always be one, but I, I can't see many. Um, so, score predictions, then, guys. Dan, what are you going for, mate? I think it's a bit of a tough one to call this.
4: Well, I think there'll be goals. I think there's two sides who look to attack, um, but in di- slightly different ways, maybe. Um, I mean, looking at the stats here, you've got that you know Stoke. We, we've got we seem to be more right if you look at xg now i know that's not that a lot of people don't like that but we've sort of like we're outscoring ourselves in open play we've scored 27 goals in open play but xg says we should have only scored 22 so we're quite clinical there set pieces though we've only, we should have scored 12 but we've only scored 7 so, Mario Vranchi has been robbed of about five assists by the sounds of it. So, I'm glad he'll be happy with that. <laughs> from all them corners he was putting in. It's also
3: in. penalties that we've missed.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be. Um, Forest, again, they, they sort of scored 27 for open play and eight from corners, um, eight from set pieces, sorry, which is one more than the next G. But the real thing is, the un- Forest have only done 140 turnovers. I know we talked about this last week, didn't I? I introduced this, where uh, turnovers within 40 yards of the opposition's goal, which is sort of um, a way of getting at how high you do your press and how successful your press is. Well, Forrest have only done that 140 times, managed to turn over, and Stoke have uh, managed 50% more than that, 209 times, which seems to me that we are looking to get on the front foot at teams a lot more and we're trying to push up, whereas Forest are allowing teams to come on to them, by the looks of it, and then break on them. Um, the fact also highlighted by the fact that Forest have got a league high of 64 direct attacks, uh, which is attacks which start from your own half and end with a shot or touch inside the box, with um, the passes basically going forward quickly. So it looks like Forrest sit back, get the ball, and then launch on the counter-attack. Quite direct, looking at maybe getting pacey runners in or hitting target men and having people running off them. So Mm. it looks to me, is is our pressing going to be, are we going to be able to do the pressing that we did on Tuesday for the second time in four days? That's going to be the key to me.
3: Well, if you've got Jacob Brown in your team, he can run for God knows how long. Yeah,
4: yeah. That, so it's like, are we, if we can press and press high and keep running and running, like you say, Jacob Brown, if it's, you know, Duracell battery that he is, <laughs> if he can keep going, if he can keep going, and, um, you know, maybe that's why I'm bringing maybe Wright Phillips in as just fresh legs, just because so we can push and push. Nick Powell's actually really good at the press. Um, goes sort of under the radar a lot because he, he doesn't sort of sprint around, but he just knows when to step onto people. I noticed uh, in the Swansea people. game,
3: Baker was pressing quite high as well. Yeah, And, he's, and him, he's holding.
4: Yeah, and him and Alan seem to be really on the ball, didn't they, on Tuesday they? If we can continue that and we haven't got the fatigue of play, trying to do, like, say, three three games in, in a week, then It's our, you know, that's going to be massive to us. And I think we're going to see goals either way. I'm going to sit on the fence and say 2 2, though.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. I'm going to go for Stoke announcing their march on the playoffs to the whole world and making everyone sit up with a 3 1 win.
3: Ooh. I'm sticking with Graham McGarry. I'm not going to say if it's what I said,
2: but two one. I'm
3: going two one. It's with a team like Swansea, not Swansea. God, we played Swansea. Team (laughs) like Nottingham. Obviously, (laughs) they're also on a playoff push. They're gonna want to press high. Obviously, with the attacks that Dan's mentioned, they're pretty direct with it. But with our pressing, we've got Brown. If you bring Wright Phillips in. He's going to press high with Brown. Bede's can do it. Powell can do it. Baker can do it. They can all pretty much do high pressing. But I feel like if Brown can get in those positions he's been getting into, he could grab maybe both goals for us.
2: Yeah, well, it'll certainly be interesting, mate. Because, I mean, if I look at who we've got after Forrest, I mean, we're at home to Birmingham. I'm not being funny, right? But I would rather us go and full pelt against Forest because Forrest are the team that we need to take points off. They're one yeah. of them teams. So, look, if we have to go and beat Forest whatever way and absolutely exhaust ourselves, we can make changes. You know, we've got a week then before the next match, and we can make changes against Birmingham, and we should still have too much for Birmingham. So, I think if, if there's any game to put your best team out and just give it 100%, it's going to be Forrest. We've got some... I say we've got winnable games. I mean, bloody... uh, Bournemouth away. Yeah, I mean... Luton at
3: home, I think, could still be a tough one.
2: It's going to be tough, mate. I mean, you know, (laughs) God God willing and all that, but... um, you know, (laughs) Nathan
3: Jones pumping his chest. He's not going to make it
2: easy. And you know what? As much as people don't like him, in fairness to the guy, he's got Luton doing well. I mean, they won like 3-1 again the other night. I think
3: he really suits Luton. He does, yeah. I think it's just... The way that he is, Luton have needed a manager like that. And look at how he was in his first, in his first spell. It's a manager, Luton, need. And to be fair, without Nathan Jones, what happened to him?
4: Yeah. I, I think he maybe struggled with the egos at Stoke.
3: Yeah, uh, with I some of the players we had when he came in.
4: The worst thing he probably did is bring people like Ndai back into the mix. Because he probably... As good a player as die was, and I understand why he probably did it's because he thought this this guy could get us out of the division. Um, I think he maybe lost a lot of respect in the dressing room from from players who had seen how in he had been, especially that game at Leeds. Yeah, and he's he, I think he maybe divided the dressing room straight away with with that kind of decision, and I think that's why when you see Michael O'Neill came in. It was straight away one to anyone who, who disrespected the club, anyone who'd shown any inkling of not wanting to be here, it was like, well, you're out, I don't care. You go play on loan, you go play, we'll get you a free transfer, whatever. You, you just don't, you're not being around the place. Anyone who yeah. was deemed maybe toxic was shipped straight out. And I think maybe that was Nathan Jones's downfall. I think he created himself a divide in the camp and he lost respect from a lot of the players. Maybe from that decision alone.
2: Yeah, it, it is, mate. I must admit, I'm going to get some audio put together for, for for the Luton podcast. Um, I think it's going to be quite funny. I'm going to see how many times I can get God William from all these different uh, interviews. I'm going to I'm going to put them into into one. Uh, audio clip for us, but um, yeah, let's, I mean, just want to have a very quickly before we kind of tie things up again. Just at the fixtures, because I've mentioned them now, and I just want to, I just want to highlight just the opportunity we've got here. So let's just say, well, however we do it, we get through Forest with with something from the game. We've then got Birmingham City at home, we've got Luton at home, and then we've got Bournemouth away. Okay, not easy games, but certainly not impossible. Now, obviously, we've got Palace. Let's forget that. But in the league, as soon as you get past these next couple of games. Home to Blackpool, away to Barnsley, you know, away to Peterborough. I'm not being funny, but we should win all three of them. Yeah. And then away to Cardiff. Mm, I don't know. Uh, and then and then home to Millwall. And then we've got a bit of a, a tricky run. We, we got a bit of
3: yeah. a We got a bit of a buffer in between.
2: Yeah, because we've got we've still got QPR and Blackburn and West Brom, um, Sheffield United. And then to finish
3: the that. season, you've got obviously Bristol at home. We lost to them away, but. Could do well against them. And then the last four games are...
2: All play teams in the playoffs. Blackburn All going for playoffs. Coventry. So we need to take points here in those games so we can go into those final games in a good position to actually maybe make it a very tasty three three or four matches here. So, yeah. I interesting.
4: Think an interesting point as well is that after the Birmingham... I know we've got a week off, haven't we, after the Forest Games for Birmingham. After that, there is no seven-day break between games until May for us. And your defenders, in three game weeks, it doesn't really affect you. Obviously, it doesn't affect your goalkeeper very much. It doesn't really affect your defenders. It's it's your runners, isn't it? It's your attacking players who who need that sort of that initial burst of energy, that burst of speed. I feel like
3: we will most definitely rotate the wingers.
4: And and that's the thing. We've the the good thing for us, and the sensible thing the manager's done, he's got himself options up front. Mm-hmm. So when these games are coming thick and fast, if when people, players are getting a little bit leggy, they can have a game off. They can be brought back in again two games later. Yeah, we haven't got to keep putting the same side out because the, the reserves are you know that much further down the pecking order ability-wise than the, than the team who were at the first 11. We've got a lot of players who you can be in that first eleven
2: now. It's going to be an. In- I say, I think everyone said it. It's going to be an interesting end to this season, mate. So, um, yeah, interesting. But uh, let's see how close mean in- again that we get. You know, we mentioned about the seventy points thing the other week and and all that. I'd be very, very intrigued to see how things go.
4: Um. Well, well don't don't forget your little quiz, by the way. Oh, you know? I forgot oh, about God, that this quiz. Week. <laughs> Yeah but completely
3: What's
4: forgot the topic this week then. So we've taken a twist this week. I'm giving uh-huh. you the answers and you've got to put them in the order. Oh Oh, my god. <laughs> so, these are eight Republic of I- Ireland footballers who've played for Stoke this century.
3: I
5: can I'm going to give you the eight
4: I'm going to give you the eight names you've got to put them rank them 1 to 8. In the in how many appearances they made for okay.
2: okay. Oh, we're going to be so bad at this. But go on.
4: In alphabetical order: Clive Clark, Rory Delap. So do you want to write these down so you can?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm just writing them down now. Yeah.
4: Yeah, Clive Clark, Rory DeLapp Graham Cavanagh, Liam Lawrence, James O'Connor, John Walters, Glenn Whelan. Mark Wilson. Okay, but I'll tell you the number one has three hundred and thirty-eight appearances. Number eight has hundred and twenty-five.
2: Okay, so let's go from worst to best then uh, for this one. So the person who the least, I'd say, I'd s- Clark. I mean, oh Wilson, Wilson or Clark, who no, Wilson. It, could
3: have, Wilson would have played in a lot of positions. W-
2: yeah, um, similar thing with him.
3: He was multi-purpose.
4: Just to let you know, what I want you to do is talk amongst yourselves, get your eight, then come back to me at the end with all eight in the audio. Oh god.
3: You you god!
2: God! I'm putting Clive Clark at the bottom. He might yeah. not be. Till um, so that played enough for us because of his long throws. Have played a good couple of seasons for us. Lawrence obviously did.
3: Yeah, Will so, obviously played. So with I'm going to go Clive,
2: like Clive Clogg. I'm Clog going to go James up. O'Connor next. Okay. I think I might be a bit, a bit brave, but because James did play a number of games.
3: Um, James O'Connor is one of those players I haven't really heard much of. Um, the man who yeah. scored
4: two goals in the playoff semi final at Cartwells. One and a half with
3: come off
2: Ulari's So after that, I'm going to put Kavanagh.
3: Okay. Oh, this is tricky,
2: though, this is. There can't be much between some of these players. There can't
3: be much between, like, Whelan and the lap, can there, really?
2: So I'm going to go Mark Wilson next. Yep. Wilson next, and then... Oh, l- uh, l-
3: I'd say La- DeLap played less than Whelan. I know that sounds bold.
2: Okay, so DeLap, then who, who would have played more? So Lawrence after DeLap?
6: Because he
2: would have been well, Lawrence played
3: less. Yeah. Maybe so, DeLap played more because of his long throws, like you've mentioned. He has really stifters on this one, hasn't he? Anti <laughs>
2: Delaf, Lawrence, and then I'm going to go... Wheeling at the top. Wheeling, wheeling Walter. I've got Wheeling. Walter's
3: at, yeah, Walter's at the top. I forgot about Walter's in the list, to be honest.
2: OK, so Dan, I think we're going to go with this list, mate. Um, yeah. We're not confident at all here.
3: It's one of so, them where it's like...
2: So we're going worst to best, OK?
4: Yep.
2: OK, so in last place... Clive Clark. Um, second to last, James O'Connor. Um, third to last, Graham Kavanagh. Fourth is Mark Wilson. Next is Rory Delapp. Next is Liam Lawrence. Second most appearances, Glenn Whelan. And the number one for appearances, John Walters.
4: Right. Would you like me to read them from the bottom up?
3: Yeah.
2: Go on.
4: In eighth place with 125 games, Liam Lawrence. Really? That's
3: a surprise.
4: (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay.
3: That's really stiff the list.
4: And just a bit. (laughs) In seventh place with 178 games, Mark Wilson. Wow. In 6th place, with 208 appearances, Rory DeLapp.
2: Oh, man. We oh, God. Know
4: in 5th place, with 211 appearances, James O'Connor. We weren't too far off with that one, then.
2: Not awful.
4: In 4th place, with 245 appearances, Graham Cavanagh. Oh, okay in third place with 264 games the man you put at the bottom of the list clive Clark.
2: wow god and then we've got the top two right though uh, just to put this out we've got the top two right but in what order
4: well 338 appearances top man 271 appearances was second you said walter's top wheel and second it was actually Walters in second, oh, and Glen Whelan was top. So you got zero out of
2: eight. <sighs> wow.
3: Does this quiz have to go into the podcast? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's crazy! I can't believe that, how, bad it, how bad it was. It
3: was one of them, though. It's like, it's one of those obscure questions. It's it a guess-word. great question. Yeah, absolutely it's ob- it's guess though. Well,
4: yeah, Liam Lawrence, what it shows is that Liam Lawrence probably has a lot of memories from his time that you feel like he was involved. He's done a lot in the games that he played. And Clive Clark played 264 games that you've obviously forgotten because you didn't
2: think he played that many. I really didn't. I mean, I remember him. He was one of the only, well, he was a a good left back for us. I remember him well, but you're right, mate. I think that's a very fair comment. It's memories more than anything else and obviously if we if you look at our That's funny if you look at our list the top 4 that we had was Delat Lawrence Whelan and Walters so they're very very fresh in the mind so mm-hmm. our perception of those players clearly not you know, reality so but yeah thanks for that that was, that was an interesting one mate that even was an though interesting we really did badly but yeah it's good
3: <laughs> does this mean we have detention now for failing
2: yeah we're going to go and see uh, you know Andy's favorite team poorville so okay.
3: <laughs> he oh. had to sneak on in. Mate, I, I
2: tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna make a pact here. We're not gonna mention Paul Vale for you anymore. I mean, just, until, so, the just, until the next podcast. Until yeah, of course, yeah.
4: On one yeah. condition,
3: go
2: on.
4: You don't go again. Okay.
3: <laughs> cost my heart and hope to die. Bloody crew next. Unless it's a soak away game.
2: Yes. Well, um, anyway, I think that's a very good way of ending the podcast, us being humiliated. So thank you very much, Dan. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Andy. Always good to speak to you. Well, most Pretty of the time. Sure <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch everybody. Oh, actually, no, one thing we should probably say, Dan, sorry, actually, before we do that, um, you've been uh, got a couple of specials, haven't we, uh, that we've been doing in, in the background and you've been doing. Um, I'm not sure if you've decided on the order yet, mate, but do you want to just let everyone know kind of, what's coming up in the kind of coming weeks, mate?
4: Yeah, I mean, we mentioned a while back that we were going to see, um, you know, Carl Dickinson, didn't we? And me and uh, Andy went up to a Hamley Town game. Uh, we were invited up there by Ron McElreevey, the chairman. Um, we had a really good day out, really, didn't we, Andy? was. Um,
3: yeah, it was good, pretty but... good. And then when we left, he scored like four goals in a space of like five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we left just, just
4: before the goal onslaught. um Yeah. But yeah, we had to really enjoy. It, it was a really good day out, um, and there's a lot going on there, a lot of vital stuff around men's mental health as well. So we sort of dip into that in in the pod that comes up, and you know we talk about that. We've also got you know, some some um, a brief sort of a bit of time with Carl as well, uh, we talk about his time at Stoke and his general career and everything as well, his hopes for the future. Um, so that was that was great, and uh, we've also been speaking with Simon Lowe an author um, who's got a new Stoke book out it was Stoke book that came out uh, at the start of this season and he also talks about uh, the book that's coming he's got that's coming out at the start of next season which is should be a really interesting read Um, so I don't know how many people actually know what, what book he's actually doing but he does talk about that um, yeah, it's really you know one I'll be looking forward to listening, you know, get, get my hands on it and reading, and also he talks about yeah you know, we we obviously as we do we delve into the modern day and we sort of make sure you know who we'd love to to uh, sit and write a book with as well and stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah the the two two parts that I think people enjoy. So yeah.
2: honestly, yeah, thanks, uh, obviously, guys, for both the joining. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um, As always, we'll be back uh, with your pods next Friday. So take care and see you
0: soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.